everyone welcome to the thought honey podcast i'm andy and i'm leah and here we go quote of the day that's me yay so today we are going to dip into the mr rogers bucket again (laughs) yeah he has such good quotes he has really good quotes so many so today's goes like this some days doing the best we can may still fall short of what we would like to be able to do but life isn't perfect on any front And doing what we can with what we have is the most we should expect of ourselves or anyone else. So the reason why I chose this quote was because, A, it's Mr. Rogers, and he just has a way with words that I just find perfect. But um, I really love that he really gives space for the best that you can being defined only by you. We all like to say, do your best. But it's like, well, what does that mean? Um, but you're right. It kind of means whatever it could you vary need daily. it to mean for yourself. And it's th- there is no perfect definition of your best, which is kind of the beauty of it, is I get to decide what my best is. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to have to trust ourselves not to decide on like a, a super low best. <laughs> right. Well, and I love that our best is going to fall short probably most of the time like it's you might start your day with the intention to have a big long to-do list and accomplish all of it and you did your best like bottom of the line is even if you didn't check everything off of your to-do list or if you didn't you know finish like if you didn't follow through on a habit that you're trying to do you know what I mean Um, Oh, I really want to clean the kitchen. That's my thing right now. I'm wanting to clean the kitchen at the end of the night. If it gets to the end of the night and and I'm just completely wiped out and I just didn't clean the kitchen, I still did my best that day. It just is, it's going to fall short and that's okay. Yeah. I, the way that I kind of define my best is whatever I did plus the appropriate apologies, recommitments and self-compassion. Right. We always have a tomorrow to try again. Like, it, and, and the only way that we're going to try again tomorrow is if we can be kind to ourselves and compassionate about our shortcomings enough to be able to try again. Because what kind of a person wants to go back and try again if they get berated, you know? Right. And it's, it's also, you know, sometimes your best falls short of what somebody else maybe needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where the apologies piece comes in. Sometimes it's, well, this is what I did. And maybe it wasn't quite enough. And you make up the difference by at least acknowledging that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and again, not being mean to yourself about it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we all fall short and need to apologize to others and be kind to ourselves at the same time. And, right. you know, recommit, but don't go crazy being like, I can do better. I can do better. I can do better. Mm-hmm. I actually hate the phrase when people say things like, you know, well, you should just be a little bit better today than you were yesterday. Oh yeah. And I was like, that sounds like a pretty linear trajectory for a person's life. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm a little more up and down than that. Yeah. Well, and again, you mentioned it, but our best is going to vary. You know, today, me being my best, I might have accomplished a lot. And then tomorrow, I might be completely wiped out. And my best is literally like getting dressed, eating, taking care of the kids. And that's it. Like, I didn't do anything extra. Whereas today, it's like I did a whole bunch of things extra, you know. Yeah. 
right, time for buzzwords. And related to our quote of the day, today's buzzword is... Compassion. All right, so compassion literally breaks down to mean to suffer together. So like... That sounds bad. (laughs) (laughs) But to suffer together, right? I mean, you don't want to... better than to suffer alone. Alone, right? So, but among emotional researchers, they've defined it as the feeling that arises when you're confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. So it's sort of that... Um, what I found is that it's, it's very similar to empathy. In fact, a lot of people put empathy and compassion in the same bucket, but basically compassion is like empathy, but with action. So the difference is you're feeling what someone's feeling, you're recognizing what someone's going through and they're suffering and, and then you're compelled to help them. You're that you're feeling this action to alleviate their pain. Right. Well, and that's, I I think that's an important difference because sometimes with empathy, all, all you need in that moment is just the empathy Mm -hmm. and the efforts to alleviate someone's suffering. Like now is not the time to fix. You just need to be with the person Mm -hmm. in that. Um, and I think it's an important distinction because they're, they're similar, but they are different because compassion does come with, uh, at least a desire and intent to act and sometimes Mm -hmm. an actual action to alleviate that person's suffering. Um, But I I also think that even then there's a difference between alleviating a person's suffering and fixing their problem. Right. And and it could be very much your presence and being there for them. Like you were saying with empathy, where sometimes it's just the presence of being with someone suffering together can alleviate. It's like sharing that burden of whatever they're going through. Right. Your, your caretaking rather than fixing. Like when Mm -hmm. I think fixing, like someone tells you a difficult problem that they're dealing with and then you offer perspective or you offer another way to look at it Mm -hmm. or you offer here, let me help you by doing this. Um, And that can be good. That feels to me a little bit more like being helpful. Right. Whereas the compassion piece, it's really like the the in the trenches caretaking Mm -hmm. where you're not just feeling it with them, but you're actively emotionally caretaking on whatever they're going through right it's not this let's fix it it's it's not this i'm here with you so that i can fix your problem and be your hero and we can all feel better right it's it's simply um you're you're compelled to help so what that might look like is um you know someone sharing a hard time that they're going through i didn't get the job that i wanted money's really tight financially i'm really insecure and 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 worried about my future and you can empathize with them draw on maybe an experience when you had financial instability and be able to like sit with them on that and say man that's really tough i'm really sorry and that might draw you to look for job opportunities for them like that might draw like that might compel you to be like hey i'm here for you if you need food if you need help if you need like and it's a listening, like it's active listening and saying, what do they need? What can I do to help you? Right. And the empathy part of it was what you said, where it's, you know, hey, I, I feel your pain. It's that mm-hmm. part of it. But then the compassion, uh, another piece of that could be comfort, mm-hmm. where it's not even necessarily, it doesn't have to be directly related to, hey, let me let me help you find a job. Right. It could also be me again, doing emotional caretaking where I'm providing comfort and support and yeah, there's certainly a spectrum there and things like that. Um, I guess one other, uh, thing that is maybe worth mentioning with compassion is that it's also giving the benefit of the doubt. 
mm-hmm. to a person. Like, let's say a person is feeling really bad about a mistake that they made. You know, maybe you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt verbally and just express, well, I'm sure that's not what you meant to do. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm, I'm sure you intended for this to go better. Mm-hmm. Or I know you wanted this to go better. And essentially just communicating that you can see positive motives and, you know, this doesn't happen all the time for you. This is a rare occurrence. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things that also can be encouraging and kind of alleviate their suffering by, again, just giving the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. when they might be feeling really crappy. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to point out how maybe they're better than they think they are right yeah. in that particular moment. And I think that's another thing. So giving benefit of the doubt, put that on the list too. All right. So taking what we just learned and what we understand about compassion, now let's turn it in on ourselves and we are to make that self-compassion, right? And this is kind of a becoming a a hot word on like the self-care um trajectory i don't know like that that trend that's like going around right now self-love love yourself you know treat yourself (laughs) anything once uh instagram or tiktok or whatever gets a hold of a word like Mm -hmm. this then they take it and people start using it yeah and you start losing like wait what are we talking about what are we talking about what is self-compassion we're gonna we're gonna bring it back to reality here bring it back to the og here but like Yeah. yeah um so hang on on. can i make a confession yeah i've looked it up before and i cannot for the life of me ever keep track of it but i see it all the time what does the og mean original gangster (laughs) ouch (laughs) but that's but it's used as like just being synonymous like like get back to the original thing the basics yeah the og it's like okay original gangster damn it okay (laughs) I'm going to remember it this time, but that's why I can't remember it is because people use it like you just used it and it doesn't make me think gangster. It's not, that's because it's not good English. We're going to get back to the original gangster. <laughs> like, yeah. Who is that, by the way? Do we know? I don't know. I guess if we went back to mafia times and like the actual gangsters of the New York. Like... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Next episode, we'll bring you that information because I think it's important that we know where our sayings come from. <laughs> yes, so important. All right, so getting back to self-compassion. So the whole concept of self-compassion. <laughs> I'm sorry I derailed us, but it's I'm okay. not going to beat myself up for it. You did, you did it again. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so, so the OG of self-compassion... <laughs> Um, So Dr. Kristen Neff, I would recommend looking her up, looking into her work, but she's basically the pioneer of this idea of self-compassion. And she brought to us this um, concept of the three elements of self-compassion, right? And I mean, self-compassion in general, it's this idea that we're turning all that we just understood, like what we just explained of compassion, but we're turning it on ourselves, so outward expressions of like, you know, empathizing and, and sharing in an experience of suffering with someone and then being compelled to alleviate their suffering and pain. Um, but we're now applying that to ourselves. And so even though like it doesn't sound like that should be a revolutionary concept, it, it really is. And it's really taken um, foot in like uh, med- mindfulness and meditation and in like the self-love, self-compassion is becoming this this new concept of being kind to yourself and um, giving space for your failures and shortcomings. We all have them, right? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, speak for yourself. <laughs> You're just Don't tell me about my shortcomings. Perfect being over here. But it, it is, it's honoring and accepting our humanness. So we have this um, connection to not just ourselves, but to humanity. All right. So you said she has three elements mm-hmm. in this idea you're going to share. Right, right. So the first one is self-kindness versus self-judgment. Now, this one's pretty self-explanatory, right? Like <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of self, self happening here. Self-kindness, self-judgment, self-explanatory. Yes. I like it. So when I think of self-kindness, um, it's hard to separate the two. Like when I'm like self-kindness, self-compassion, what can be the difference there, right? What What do you think when you think of self-kindness? Self-kindness. Hmm. I I guess it's just to treat a person when I think of like self-kindness or when I think of kindness, it's treating a person as if they are worth treating well. Mm-hmm. And so it would be treating yourself as if you're worth treating well. Mm-hmm. Do you think we kind of have a hard time? I, I feel like we have a hard time being able to attribute this kindness compassion to ourselves it's so easy to say we do it to other people but for some reason we kind of stumble over the concept of i'm worthy of being treated well well it's by yourself because we certainly get upset when other people don't treat us well right it's true so what i mean what's what's going on there Mm -hmm. right what so what's happening is self-judgment right and so that's where this battle between like that first element self-kindness versus self-judgment so in moments when um you make a a, make a mistake when you fail at something when you have a moment of shortcoming in general then instead of meeting it with judgment and oh i always mess up oh i'm not good enough to do this i'm never like all that judgmental talk to yourself you're gonna offer kindness you're gonna offer you can do this it's okay that you made a mistake everyone makes mistakes you're gonna offer that same dialogue that you would give to someone outside of yourself well i think of it i think of kindness as a soft touch Mm mm-hmm where it's not it's not abrasive, it's not kind of self protective, it's not edgy. Disciplinary. Um, I always actually I always think of uh, this phrase from I, I feel like we're dipping into the Winnie the Pooh bucket a lot. <laughs> the Pooh Pot. <laughs> yeah. Winnie the Pooh bucket. Sorry, sorry, Christopher Robin for calling your friends names, um, because I just did a little bit on this with a, one of our recent deep thoughts, but mm. uh, there's a scene. It's the, it's the story where Tigger's uh, Tigger comes to the forest mm-hmm. and he starts out with Winnie the Pooh. And he said, well, Tigger's like honey. That's what Tigger's like best. And then Pooh gives him some honey and Tigger's like, yeah, Tigger's don't like honey. And then they go to Piglet and he's like, oh, Tigger's like acorns. And Piglet's like, all right, here's some acorns. And Tigger's like, oh, Tigger's don't like acorns. And Tigger keeps saying, Tigger's like everything. Tigger's like everything. And then as he tries everything, he's like, well, Tigger's like everything except for honey. Everything except for honey and acorns. Mm-hmm. And he goes through the forest basically eating everybody's lunch and saying he doesn't like it, but that he likes everything. Mm-hmm. And so he's actually being pretty annoying. Mm-hmm. And obnoxious, <laughs> yeah. if we're being really honest. Yeah. And then they end up at uh, Kanga and Rue's house. Mm-hmm. And there's this line when he shows up and they tell her, you know, Tigger hasn't had any lunch yet. And she tells him, hey, go go look in the cupboard and see what you'd like. And then there's a line that says something like, because she knew that no matter how big Tigger seemed to be, he wanted as much kindness as Rue. Yeah. And so when I think of kindness, 
I think of no matter how like annoying or weird or difficult, it's like I'm still going to have a soft touch. I'm still going mm-hmm. to be gentle. Kanga's not going to be like, hmm, I can put two and two together and see that he's collected some people along the way. I know you all have food at your house. You guys are obnoxious. Why is he here and still hungry? Yeah. And she could have been all protective and defensive and weird about it, but she was like, no, gentle, soft touch, being very kind of mm-hmm. kind. Yeah. And so that's actually what I, that's that's kind of stuck in my head as um, kindness. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great explanation. So the, the second element. Yeah. So the second, we're going to go on to the second one, which is common humanity versus isolation. And I just like that all of these kind of run together. But common humanity, it basically um, encompasses that all people make mistakes. All people have shortcomings. And what that does is it prevents you from isolating the feeling of I'm suffering so much. I'm the only one that makes this mistake. I'm the worst. I think Brene Brown actually has a book called I thought I was the only one Mm. but I'm not or something like that because we do that we think we're the only one that has done this or the only Mm -hmm. one that's had this experience and that's why you feel so much better when you really screw something up when someone else is like oh well I did this once and you're like oh that makes me feel so much better yes yeah like and recognizing that suffering and like personal inadequacy is just a part of like the shared human experience It, it takes the edge off of of a mistake or a failure that you might have, you know, you trip and fall, you said the wrong thing, you missed out on a job opportunity and taking more of a broader perspective of other people have also gone through this and experienced this, even if it's just in a hypothetical, not even hypothetical. I don't know how to say it. It's but- that other people could do exactly the same thing that you did and still be good, kind, reasonable, mm-hmm. competent people. Right. Like I, I messed something up. This was probably a year and a half. No, probably two years ago. Um, with a client I was working with, I accidentally sent some email addresses in the two line that I was not supposed to put in the two line. Yep. In that hindsight, was two years it ago. was kind of obvious. Yeah. But in the moment, I mean, it wasn't that I wasn't thinking about it. I just missed it. And, you know, some email addresses went to on this email that shouldn't have had them. And as I was talking to a colleague about it, his name's Tom, uh, his response when I told him what happened is uh, he said, oh, that would be so easy to do. Mm-hmm. And that was like the best response. And so what what you're saying is it doesn't have to be that, oh, well, I've made this mistake and another person has made exactly the same mistake. Right. It's kind of the reasonable expectation that, hey, any person could make this mistake or mm-hmm. any person could mess this thing up or any person could have, you yes. know, fumbled in the way that you did in that situation. And so even if they haven't, they very well could have. Right. Right. Well, and what that does is that brings you to connection with others as opposed to separating yourself from others as if like a martyr, you know, of like, oh, I'm the word, like I, I just, I'm suffering because it's all me. I, I, I kind of stuff. That's very isolating. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, have you ever been sitting around a table with a group of people and you start talking about your embarrassing moments and the worst things you've ever done? (laughs) And once the ball gets rolling on that and people really start letting loose, Mm And it, it's it's strange how everybody connects over something like that. Yeah. And it's that 
you're right, common humanity is a, is a great phrase for it. So we sit around and talk about all the really embarrassing things we've all ever yeah. done. And then someone shares a real doozy and everybody's like, okay. That's where we stop. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan takes the cake. <laughs> <laughs> you win. And it's a trophy. And yeah. All right. So our last and third element is mindfulness versus over-identification. And like, I kind of was a little bit lost, but like over-identification is basically your thing your feelings are a bit exaggerated um, and and you're feeling them very specifically. So they go along with isolation. When you're having an isolating moment of I'm the worst, nobody else has felt this way, nobody's gone through this, it can make it amplify those feelings of negativity, those feelings of failure just amplified, o- over-exaggerated. Right, it's is, like the universe hates me the most. Yeah. And then I feel worse because of it. Exactly. Whereas when you're practicing mindfulness, now we talked about mindfulness in our last episode, and I know we're going to talk about it a bunch more, so I'm not going to like delve into it. But when you're practicing mindfulness, you take more of a balanced, a balanced approach to our negative emotions or our emotions in general, right? When you're practicing um, mindfulness, you acknowledge your emotions or your feelings or your thoughts, and you just let them be. Right. It's the practice of observing those things as they are. It's like whatever it is, that's what it is. You don't suppress it and you don't exaggerate it. Right. And so um, we like these two things can't be held in the same things like we can't ignore our pain and also feel compassion for that pain so so that's the other end of the stick is we can't like just dismiss it or ignore it or um brush it off we have to like sit with it but without um amplifying it and like dwelling on it too heavily taking more of a broader um perspective yeah the nature of feelings especially the nature of pain is to be heard and acknowledged mm-hmm. um so when we talk about pain and the importance of not suppressing it not exaggerating it it's like when you suppress pain you actually do exaggerate it because when something wants to be heard and it doesn't get heard it gets louder mm-hmm. and that's how pain gets exaggerated often is by being suppressed first and then having to get loud so you'll listen to it And so part of this practice of being mindful and practicing compassion with yourself is actually acknowledging your pain as it is from the beginning. So it doesn't have to freak out and do crazy things so that you'll pay attention and like take care of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to being self-compassionate toward yourself, (laughs) practicing self-compassion, starting off with the basics of self-kindness and then remembering common humanity you're not alone in this. It's not um, an isolated incident just for you. And then practicing mindfulness. Those are all the like the three elements of self-compassion. Cool, cool. We'll be right back after this. Are you mean to yourself? Are there thoughts in your head that bring you down? 
Do you say things to yourself that you would never say to a friend? We have good news! Introducing Self-Compassion, the revolutionary method to stop feeling so shitty all the time. Just notice when you're being a total dick to yourself and replace those nasty narratives with kindness. It sounds so easy. It's not, but you can do it. Simply talk to yourself as if you were someone you actually liked, cared about, and respected. For best results, use daily. Side effects may include increased self-esteem, improved mood, and healthier self-image. Talk to yourself today about whether self-compassion is right for you. Self-compassion, because you matter. Right, that was a fun one. That was our first ever uh, break. Is that an episode that was one? Episode one break. We yeah. brought it back. <laughs> we just thought it fit perfectly with this, and it turned out so good that you know. So coming back to self compassion, what I want to talk about as we wrap up our episode is about uh, what self compassion isn't, but sometimes we might think it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's almost always helpful to define what something isn't. To figure out what it is. And these are some of the things that people tend to think is self-compassion, but it's just not. So Yeah, super helpful. Super helpful. So the first one is self-pity. Okay. So Aww. yeah. So self-compassion is not self-pity. And self-pity, I mean, it comes from being immersed in your own problems. It's that isolation phase. It's that um over um amplified you know, down on yourself and you're, and you're really having a hard time, like be getting out of your own emotions, getting out of your own head. So self-pity, you know, you think of a pity party, right? Yeah. And pity kind of makes me think it, it goes back to when you talked about the elements of self-compassion, um, pity seems that it self-pity anyway, seems like it would lack that common humanity piece mm-hmm, exactly. or it's like, you know, woe is me more so than is anyone else. Right. And it's sort of, um, it's, it's just not, it's not helpful like self-compassion is, right? And, and it keeps you from being able to be compassionate with yourself because you're too um, swamped in your own feelings and, and drama and like it can get really messy really fast. And so when you want to take more of a, when it's self-compassion, it looks more like, yes, this is difficult, but I'm not the only one that's ever experienced this. And and I know that can sound invalidating, like that feeling of like other people have it worse. And I don't mean to say like that's the mentality you should have of like other people have it worse than me, but it's more, yes, this is difficult. I can do hard things. Yes, this is um, a sad time for me right now. And it's okay that I'm sad. Um, but I'm going to get through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And self-pity is designed to maintain your bad feeling about yourself. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's designed to be, again, woe is me, but then there's kind of a period. And there's no movement. And there's no it. movement. And in fact, um, one way to look at this is like a, a person, let's say a person who has had kind of a, a rough life. I mean, I, I know lots of people where it's like, you know what? You don't actually 
Like you don't owe it to anybody. I would totally understand if you just fell apart and pitied yourself for the rest of your life. Right. You've been dealt a bad hand. Like that would, uh, that's totally fair. Like yeah. nobody gets to tell you, you've got to pull it together. It's like, I, I get that. Uh, at the same time, who really would want to live there? And so it's kind of the idea that, you know, you probably do have it pretty rough and it's not, it, it you're right. It's not the, you know, pull yourself pull your, up by your bootstraps crap. <laughs> yeah. But it's more of a, you know what? It would be really understandable if you stayed in this place where you are mm-hmm. and it's been, it's been rough. Uh, you also can step out of that if you would like to. Right. I by mean, starting to heal and so on you can heal not you can step out of it if you want to i don't like the way that sounded it's more of a there is a path to healing if you'd like to engage in it Mm -hmm. and you know kind of that self-compassion piece i think is at the beginning of that yeah well what just came to my mind was when we quoted that song from frozen was like the next right thing and Mm -hmm. it's like she had every right to feel very pity and like just sit in that dark cave but it's sort of this like one step at a time and get yourself out of it yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that it's not totally unfair mm-hmm. that you have all this stuff that you have to deal with. I mean, it's totally unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's the idea that you're not confined to you have to be miserable in this forever, even though it would be understandable if it was just, you know, I would get it. Yeah. Honestly, I really would. Um, you can also heal, too. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the way that I would say it. Yeah, absolutely. So that moves on to our next thing, that self-compassion, what it's not is self-indulgence. So when this is something I see probably the most in like the buzzword of self-compassion is it's like, I deserve to sit on the couch and eat ice cream because I'm feeling crummy. I deserve a big glass of wine, a bottle of wine at the pampering. end of the day, pampering. Yeah. Like, and so that's like self-indulgence. So it's sort of a, um, what some people fear. Okay. So I feel like there's two people there's when it comes to this, there's people who are like, yes, I'm all about self-compassion and pampering. And then there's people who are like, Ooh, self-compassion sounds like I'm just letting myself get away with anything. Right. And so cutting myself too much slack and right. And if I, and if I allow myself to be in this space, then I'm letting myself get away with something like it feels selfish or it feels right. It's like you should be hard on yourself so you can, and use that to grow and to be better. And it's this constant be better, Mm -hmm. which a constant be better is no different than a constant, not good enough. Yes, exactly. Um, and so like, you know, self-compassion, it's, it's giving that emotional space to um maybe do the unpleasant stuff that you need to do like you know exercising and um saving money going to the doctor feeling (laughs) your feelings setting boundaries Uh, like these are not really pleasant experiences but it's showing yourself compassion right and now just to be clear we are not inherently opposed to self-indulgence. Right. <laughs> Absolutely do it. But don't do it as a, I'm feeling really crappy about myself. And so I'm going to only do these things. Like if, if you're using um, any coping mechanism to ignore your feelings, you're not practicing self-compassion. Right. Like we've got two kids. They're soon to be three and six. Mm-hmm. And if my almost six-year-old, our almost six-year-old, I guess, I guess you can have half. Um, <laughs> like if he had a really bad day at school or he was really sad about something and he was just sad and I was like, hey, 
let's go to the store and buy you a toy or Mm -hmm. hey let's go get ice cream Mm -hmm. or whatever it is and we always just did indulgence but I never talked to him about his feelings Mm -hmm. then that's not actually compassion it's distraction but it doesn't offer me an opportunity to let him experience compassion from me and yeah. so it's not that it's not good to do those things. It's or to not take that you, a break. And it's not that you can't even mix those things, mm-hmm. like where we go get ice cream and talk about his feelings right, or whatever it is. But, you know, the, the self-indulgence as a, like, it just a distraction and I'm going to do this, but I'm not actually going to do the harder side of mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I do think we have to be careful about that a little bit because people do say, well, you know, be kind to yourself, you know, self-compassion and that they equate it to the treat yourself sort of mm-hmm. thing and it's like no those are separate things both yeah. good things both just good separate. things just separate yeah. yeah and it's that idea of it's okay to have a break we're not knocking like you know hey i've had a long day and i just want to sit and watch tv it's like yeah go for it but like if you need to talk with your spouse or talk with your best friend on your phone or um like you know don't, don't ignore if you're having a hard time with your feelings don't just like numb it with something right right So then the last one that we're going to talk about is what self-compassion is not is self-esteem. So this gets a little bit gray, but only because self-esteem, it's sort of this, um, our identity of worth, right? And so um, the way that she, that Kristen Neff talks about it on her um, research and everything is basically self-esteem becomes sort of a competition it you cannot have high self-esteem what comes with high self-esteem usually comes with putting down others usually comes at the cost of comparison um and self-compassion is allowing yourself to sit in your imperfections in your low self-esteem moments in your high self-esteem like it's fluctuating right wait say more about that sorry is she saying that self-esteem is not actually self it's not necessarily a good thing no no no. she's saying that like self-esteem is not the same as self-compassion so having a high self-esteem does not mean that you have really great self-compassion necessarily because a lot of the times it can be um you're like if you're caught up in the idea of i should raise my self-esteem it's usually at the cost of like i want to be better than other people i'm going to compare and that removes you from that humanity like that human connection mm-hmm. to others and it also puts you at a place of um harsher judgments when you make mistakes so is self esteem from what she's saying is she saying that self esteem inherently is uh involves comparison yeah. To other people. Yeah. In, oh, okay. in in Western culture. So she does specify that like our Western understanding of self-esteem is usually a um, like a competition. Uh, it's a it's, it's a, a status thing where mm-hmm. it's where am I relative to the people around me as opposed to just my experience of self-worth, like self-esteem and self-worth would be different things in what mm-hmm. you're talking about. Yeah. So okay, gotcha. That makes so sense. So what she says is like self-compassion isn't based on self-evaluation, like in the sense where of self-esteem would be, where self-esteem would be. Right. It's okay no. to be okay. self-evaluative of like, where am I, how am I feeling? Where am I at? Like from a point of non-judgment, but usually what comes with self-esteem is I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Okay. So basically, whether you're feeling great about yourself today or not feeling great about yourself today, 
it's not really relevant to practicing self-compassion. Exactly. Yeah. It's a separate thing. It's a separate thing completely. Um, there shouldn't be any comparison when it comes to self-compassion. There's no, um, competition of I'm being more self-compassionate than that person, (laughs) or I'm showing myself more self-compassion than the other person. It really should. What starts with you can flow out of you in your relationships. So if you're showing yourself compassion, you're going to naturally be able to show compassion to others a lot easier. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you before we end. Mm-hmm. So let, you put this whole thing together. I did. This right? is my first full. And I'm curious, this has been on your radar for a long time. I'm curious why this topic for you Like what made you think I want to put all this together and we're going to do an episode on it? Oh, because I'm really bad at it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm not that it's a competition, but I'm the worst at self-compassion. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then me putting together all these other episodes, there's a lot of things that I'm bad at. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, um, it's connecting with people. It's so easy for me to show compassion to other people. And I definitely have a disconnect of it connecting um, to myself. So it's something I'm practicing along with mindfulness and like, um, you know, studying personalities and how we all kind of function in this mortal existence. (laughs) Yeah. When I think of self-compassion, I often think of it's okay. Don't worry about it. Things aren't perfect and so on. Mm -hmm. Um. And I, I, I do think there's one other little piece to it that is important, which sometimes is a, a little bit of like a, a very kind kick in the pants. Yeah. Where sometimes self-compassion means like telling yourself the truth mm-hmm. and pairing that with also, and it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And you're going to manage this and everything. And as, as you you know, kind of talked through some of these things. And as we've talked over the last several weeks, and it's been kind of a rough go the last few weeks for you. (laughs) I have not been in a good mental space. I can't believe we could record this tonight, in fact. We all all (laughs) have those times. And I mean, I I walk through this with clients Mm -hmm. where they're having a bad time. And um, I think about it, and it's easier to think about it when it's someone outside yourself. Mm-hmm. So when I'm trying to be compassionate with my clients, sometimes it's the, you know, hey, things are going to be okay. It's very comforting. It's very reassuring. And sometimes what I'm telling them is the truth and then also that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we think self-compassion, it doesn't have to be all like, like you're not lying to yourself. You're not cushioning of You're a not making blow. excuses. You're not doing any of that. You're just pairing your need to improve or do something differently or to fix a mistake Mm -hmm. with the idea that it's also okay that you screwed it up. It's also okay that you need to fix this thing. Yeah. Right. It's, you can, you can work through those things. And, um, I've kind of watched you Mm. do some of that over the last few weeks. And I think, I think that you're, am I doing better? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think you I think you tell yourself the truth probably more now 
yeah than you did when we first met i think we both do yeah yeah absolutely and and i think i used to lie to myself all the time and i was delightful like i i really enjoyed (laughs) lying to myself and living in like rose-colored glasses (laughs) yeah it did make you appear to be very happy i was i was super happy until i needed to watch like patch adams and titanic to ball my eyes out and feel sick for about a day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. just to get it all out <laughs> but i i think about us i think about where we were how long have we been? we've been married for seven years almost seven yeah seven years it'll be eight this december yeah eight this december um and so since i mean since we met and since we've been married i i would say in the beginning i very much was not that honest with myself mm-hmm. like i kind of knew but I would mostly just feel bad about myself or tell my, like I was, I was a super sensitive person. I put people on, on edge who are around me and I kind of just pretended like it was their fault. (laughs) I was like, they're just, they're just assholes or whatever, you know? And then there came a point where I kind of told myself that truth where it's like, I'm a pretty sensitive, anxious wreck of a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think just the stability of having a person where I was like, she's she's not going anywhere. No, I thought it was adorable. That I could admit <laughs> all those things to myself and also believe that it didn't make me like a, a crappy person. Yeah. It helps when you surround yourself with people who accept you, like in your ugliness. Because I know for me, like in my experience, I surrounded myself with very surface level, um, shallow no, shallow sounds so mean, but like friendships where it was always happy. Like mm-hmm. we weren't going to get into the ugly. We weren't going to show like, like I was very much used to isolating when I was feeling really crappy. When I was like in a bad space, it was like I would just go through it with myself and then emerge a beautiful butterfly and nobody would know the difference kind of a thing. You're like, did you, did you notice that Leo was a caterpillar all night? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it meant that I was like not being my true self, not my being my authentic self. And I think yeah. being with you has brought out a lot of that stuff, which yeah. is I'm learning to love. You don't have to wrap yourself in a blanket cocoon for as long these days. Although. Although. <laughs> <laughs> Lately, yeah. <laughs> I but just it, am now okay with it. <laughs> but I, I, I do think you make a good point. And I think that's something where we've both gotten to be healthier people together on this is we do kind of learn how to treat ourselves based on the treatment we get from other people. And so with it being easier sometimes to show another person compassion and give them benefit of the doubt than it is to do that for yourself, that if you associate with people that will treat you that way, Mm -hmm. then you'll actually start to get a taste of like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. So I can be all of these, what I thought were super crappy, unlovable things. And these people Mm -hmm. are sticking with me huh, that must mean something. Yeah. And you don't necessarily think about it that way, but somewhere in the back of your mind, that's building. Right. And so, um, you know, as you work on doing more of this for yourself, it can really help to have other people around you that can reinforce that and, and help. And then you can do the same for them. And then yeah. we can all learn to do it more for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. It, a lot of it, I, I should probably put it like asterisk in here of like, um, heads up when you start practicing self-compassion, um, being mistreated by other people is becoming, is going to become glaringly obvious. And so be sure that you reinforce boundaries when you need to. 
Yeah, it's the things that you used to tolerate, you may not tolerate anymore. Or you might be a bit more like, like you might be more aware that that's not okay. And since you're practicing self-compassion, it's okay to distance from people who might like make you feel crappy about yourself again. Yeah. Yeah, that is the that is the hard part sometimes about becoming a healthier person is you have to distance yourself from people that you care about that just don't. That aren't on the ride with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all we got for you today. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time on Thought Hunter. <laughs> wow. That was pretty good. Did you record that or did you already stop it? Who invited the Muppets? <laughs>